Hi, I'm Siggy, born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario, and now living in the nation's capital of Ottawa. And I'm Jesse, born in Manila, Philippines, raised in Toronto, Canada, and schooled all over southwestern Ontario. You're listening to the Halo Halo podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and the Filipino-Canadian life. Before we start our podcast, we'd like to acknowledge the lines we're podcasting on. I'm podcasting from the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently, the Mississaugas of the Credit River. And I'm podcasting from the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin and Anishinaabeg people. Welcome to our taste test episode where we sample something fresh from the pop culture buffet. And then we'll tell you what we think. On this episode of the Taste Test, we both go back to Pop Culture Vault and we sample the Joy Luck Club, now streaming mm. on Disney+. Plus. Right, right. All right, like, for our listeners, <laughs> before we even delve into what it tastes like, this 1993, 30 years ago, mm, film yes, was about right. the relationships between Chinese-American women and their Chinese immigrant mothers. Four older women, all Chinese immigrants living in San Francisco, meet regularly to play mahjong, eat, and tell stories. Each of these women have an adult Chinese-American daughter, and the film reveals the hidden past of the older women and their daughters and how their lives are shaped by the class of Chinese-American cultures as they strive to understand their family bonds and one another. Kuya, what did mm-hmm. it taste like for you? You know, I had to really think about this. And interestingly enough, as I was visiting my mom the other day, it suddenly hit. I said, oh, what the Joy Luck Club tastes like to me today is Ginisang Ampalaya at Hipon, which is basically sautéed bitter melons with shrimp. So, Sigs, I have to say, I don't eat this often, but every so often... I actually do need a helping of it. Okay. And it's a bit of an acquired taste. Have you ever had Ginisang Ampalaya? I am not an Ampalaya person, but it is yeah. such, it's a staple dish at our house. Like my mom grows it. Like my mom will make that and she'll also make Pinak Bit. Pinak Bit, yeah. Uh, so yeah. It's a, it is a bit of an acquired taste. Yeah. And I grew up not originally appreciating this, but I think I was also told too that it was it was good for me because the bitter melon was filled with iron and it would give me it's very uh, it good, was good for, you. for hemoglobin, right? Exactly. <laughs> and diabetes. Hemo- yeah, yeah, it's yeah, very for, good yeah, for you. Yeah. It would be good for my circulatory system. But I have to say, over the decades, I've come to appreciate this dish. And I usually like it on a cold, rainy day, <laughs> sometimes served with Arascaldo. And do I oh, certainly want cool. this food? But oddly, in as much as it has this kind of pungent, savory bitterness, it has like a sweet finish at the end. And it ends up reminding me of kind of comfort food. And it actually reminds me of my mother because I know my mom loves ampalaya at Hippon as well. And so like this dish that I'm describing, the Joy Luck Club is very much a bittersweet story of sacrifice that's filled with what I would think is sweet smelling hope for the next generation to come. So that's oh, what it tastes like to me. Right? I, I hate that I'm second when I give my <laughs> <laughs> I think that that sums up. Listeners, you can stop listening to me but I like the way that you just tied that in I, I'm always mm. in for a good pun that was a good turn of phrase I think of King Crab Legs so mm. a little bit story about me my uncle Dan used to work for Princess Cruise Lines and he always buy crab legs when he'd go to Alaska right. my mom would always prepare it during the holidays my mom would put ginger lemongrass coconut milk mm. Kuya, it smells heavenly and it was like the mm. huge ones and like my cousin Cedric would love it so my uncle Dan would purposely spend the money and get him lots of crab legs put it in our freezer wow. and we'd make it during holidays. Right. And I found it fitting. I had to call my mom to say what were the flavors in it. And my mom serves this like during the holidays and it's sort of linked to 
the fact it's tied to family memories in my house and stories that my mom and my Uncle Dan tell. But really, it's tied to the fact in the Joylet Club, June, one of the characters played by Mignal Wen, her mom serves this. Right. In the last part, and it was one of yeah. her famous dishes, crabs. And I was like, this would be appropriate. Now, seriously, Jez totally summed up the bittersweet, the bitter melon, mm, yes. the memories. And we'll talk about that further. I really like that analogy. But King Crab Legs. And I had to call my mom to say, what were I the flavors? It. But I can see it. it's just, it's tied to those memories. And then I realized when June's mom serves this, I was like, oh, this would be my it's food. Be- it's fitting. It's fitting. It, it totally is. It, it yeah, totally I can is. totally see that. Now, was it worth the pop culture calories for Even you? after 30 years, I remember how important it was to watch this movie. And I remember we rented it on video. Mm, that's right. DVD from Jumbo too, Video. Right? And we had it like in a red case. And I remember it coming and my mom's like, we're going to watch Joylet Club. I'm like, okay. Mm. Mom was like, and we all had to watch it. This film still fed me well. I know it's dated, yeah. It want making me not want only the crab legs, but you mentioned a comment, Kuya. Like it made me want comfort food, whether it's sinigang or like I think I made adobo and I still have the <laughs> leftovers today. It hit you warmly. Now, listen, we're Filipino, we're not part of like the Chinese diaspora, but like the immigrant story it hits home still. What about it still for you? rings true? Yeah, yeah, I would say that for me, the pop culture calories. Yes, it was certainly filling and comforting, and for those exact reasons that you're talking about, which is, is that we can identify with that idea of immigrating and our parents telling us of their sacrifice that they made in hopes that we would make a better lives for ourselves. You Absolutely. know, and so when they see us being successful or hopefully being successful, then it makes their sacrifice worthwhile in the end and doesn't turn their bitterness or leave their bitterness as he is. It becomes very bittersweet for them. For me, exactly that. It is. It was worth the pop culture calories of, of watching it again. What does it remind you of in the pop culture buffet? Yeah, two things, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the first is, is quite quite often is the Joy Luck Club seen as a story of immigration. And, and it just reminds me of all the first generation stories of immigration, whether it's the journey of an American tale of Five of the Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> the rest so, of true. Mouse so true. Right? So true. So true. Yeah. To the themes of Minari, yes. you know, or the choices that are made by Sorshi Ronan. Is it Sorshi? Sorshi Ronan. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, in Brooklyn. That's a good analogy. Yes. Yeah. Like all of those things are touched upon in Joy Luck Club. And I think that that's what it reminds me of is that typical universal story of immigration from wherever it is to your new country that hopefully will be adopting you. The other is just the complex storytelling, right? So, it reminds me of The Hours with mm-hmm. Meryl Streep and the whole cast of people there. And it also reminds me of this one story called Magnolia. And right. they're all about complex storytelling portrayed. And it was really interesting because it's based on Amy Tan's book. Novel, yeah. And they actually had to create the device of the party and the going right. away party to make it work so that then they could kind of weave in the story. So it was a rich tapestry and it was really elegant storytelling is really kind of the way I think about it. Two movies that kind of come to mind are The Hours and Magnolia in terms of being able to tell such a complex story, but still be seamless at the same time and not feeling like, oh, I'm watching 10 different stories emerge at once here. 
How about you? What did it remind I, you on the pop culture? Uh, just to tag on to what you just said, like the premise of, of the party to, for the send off of June, who's traveling to China after her mother's right. death. It, it was a great vehicle to tell these stories. It's so true. And in all honesty, I really do echo like these stories of immigration. This movie in 1993 happened. So other movies like Crazy Rich Asians, The Farewell, Shang-Chi could go where they wanted to. Right. That's in right. the 2000, 2018 and, and such. Like, I feel that if this movie came out now... Wow, the narrative would be changed. Yeah, the and narrative would be, be changed. I think it would be on exactly. second generation stories instead. It, it, but, absolutely. But we couldn't tell second generation stories of immigration today without having this story have been told back absolutely. 30 years ago, right? So. And I always, because of this, I think of Joy Luck Club and I automatically think of All American Girl with Margaret Cho. Right. Now, I know that's a comedy, but in the 90s, these were the two touchstones. And it wasn't until late 90s we had more stuff coming out, which I'll talk about later. Right. What, would, what did you appreciate about this movie? I've already mentioned one, which is the complex storytelling that was done in a very seamless fashion. The other is that there were many narratives and many truths, but again, Mm -hmm. all coming back to that universal theme of sacrifice and hope. And as what we were just kind of referencing now, it's cultural impact. That's what I very much appreciated about it, that it continues to be ranked as an important story of immigration, summing up a number of different cultures in terms of, again, that idea that how much are people choosing and sacrificing to get to a better life? So that's what I appreciate about it. How about you? What did you There was a, a couple things. You know, these stories, I think they stepped outside of the 90s depiction of violinists and spelling right. bean champs. There is a story mm-hmm. about Aunt May, who was the mother of Rosalind Chow's character. Right, right. And it stood out cinematically. I think it was like the third sub-story yeah, the third, of yeah. this on May, the mother's death being avenged. And it was yeah. so, I'm like, this could have been a movie itself. Right. Within it. And I was like, oh my God, the avenging and the crying out. And I'm like, oh, this is so cathartic. The June story too, when June's mother passed, she had given up twins mm-hmm. during the war and she heard the other sides and the twins weren't told. Her half-sisters weren't told that her mother had died and she would have to deliver that right. news. Right. The 90s, it's so time period when i first saw the movie <laughs> and i don't know about you kuya because i think you're very you're very versed in when you saw the movie you're like oh i know that guy and it was andrew mccarthy who played one of the I husbands know, i saw that and i remember like, going i totally oh. forget and yeah. he's like on the movie poster but he's in it for 10 not even 10 minutes just a couple of and minutes, it made yeah. me laugh because i'm like you have these amazing actors not only the mothers but ming na wen tamlin matumita rosalind chow lauren tom Right. representation and they became these sisters in real life to be like hey we're gonna they're representing and they weren't even a drop of like that was their coming out story to be like hey where are these actors working very hard and look at Ming-Na mm. Wen who is a Disney princess beyond from Mulan yep. and everything from the she's shield Shan right now yeah. in the Star Wars universe. yeah it's like fantastic. she's right. she's beyond and Love she it. said right from there she's like she spoke her mind and, and I was shocked I'm like oh my god you know these women are these strong Women, like it was just the brink, and it was really important. And I, yeah, it's it, the story has aged. And I remember there was a bit of a backlash because during Wayne Wang, I think who directed it, and Amy Tan, they were at like I don't know a question and answer period, and someone had said, "Why are all the Asian men portrayed as jerks?" And they didn't <laughs> know how to respond to that. And Wayne Wang, because there are yeah. right, and that's had Amy Tan's depiction of the males was right. that. 
what bugs me, I guess, in the feedback was like people didn't realize this is one story. Right. This is not all the stories of all the Asian males. No, of course it isn't. Not. And yeah. they attacked on it. And I just thought it was such, so interesting. But I'm like, but let's not forget. Like, look at four different women. June right. was this person like I did not. Mom, I didn't amount to be what you wanted. I'm not successful like Waverly Tamlin right. Tamita's right. character. And I think as. First and generation. Story wasn't about the men. It wasn't it even was about, about that. Mother daughter relationships exactly. and how immigration influences that. Exactly. Right? Like and at like, the end. and what June said, you know, June's mom said, I am admiring you because of your strength of heart. And that's, right. I see you and I only need to see you. And I was like, oh, that's, it just hit, gets you right in the heart. Would you sample this again? I would. Mm-hmm. But like Ginesang Ampalaya, he said, <laughs> I can't have it all the time. Mm-hmm. And so it's not to say that I don't like it. It's just, I don't have it all the time. I guess I don't need that much iron supplements all the time. But when I do have it, it's simply satisfying and comforting. And I think sometimes when I have to just kind of remind myself through pop culture what the first generation immigration experience is all about, this is one that can get me there right away. And so it's a good boost in some ways. So yes, I would sample it again. I would too, but I always thought that I remember seeing this and then there was a deluge of other movies that came out late 90s. And this is when you and I became friends. Right. American Adobo came out, the debut, Better Luck Tomorrow, right. where there was Better more tomorrow, yes. There's more Asian representation and telling these stories about first generation yes. um, immigrant families and stuff. And I thought it was a bit of a gateway. Like, I guess I would have it like on a library shelf of, oh, here's some stories. Yeah. And I would yeah. include the JLC there too, and right? Some of the better stories for sure, Absolutely. right? A first generation immigration experience, mm-hmm. you know? So to whom would you recommend this story or this movie? Yeah, kind of touching on what we've just talked about recently here. Today's stories of immigrations have really moved towards second generation experience, even third generation experience storytelling, mm-hmm. which of course tends to have the echoes of the first generation experience of immigration. But who I would recommend the Joy Luck Club to is anyone that wants to understand the first generation experience that much more, Agreed. which is probably yeah. like second and third generation immigrant kids mm-hmm. is probably who if you don't necessarily want to dive into all of the canon of that <laughs> this would be probably a good one to do because there's not so great stories out there but this is probably one of the better ones despite it being dated so well, how about I you? echo your same thoughts and i was just doing a little bit of research and there is part two being in the mix where yes, they would focus been on the last, about yes, that. Yeah. and they want those four characters to be grandmothers now, and the focus mm. would be on second generation, which it's an evolution, right? and I think it would be interesting, and I think there, people would watch it, and I, I think they need to make it. I mean, yeah. please. The other thing, they relied on other things, like Oliver Stone produced it. Right. He's like, hell yeah, and Disney was the one that said, okay, we're going to show it. Yeah. It's rife for the picking. I think it's been bandied about since 2018, so it'll be interesting right. to see if it can, Hopefully can it'll come, come out. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, I, I think that's about it for our taste test. If you have any suggestions for anything Jez and I should sample from the Pop Culture Buffet, email us at hollowhollowpopculture at gmail.com. The Hollow Hollow Podcast is available on all podcast platforms. You can find us on Twitter at handle is at hollowhollowpop, and we're on Instagram at hollowhollowpopculture. I like vintage taste tests. We should do them more often. <laughs> We we receive editorial feedback (laughs) from Mary Beth Adian. Our musical theme is by Tal Turing, and we'll see all of you guys again soon. See you soon.